Good morning. And so I guess as you know, I'm doing a venture here in Oklahoma City or Oklahoma in general for a little bit, essentially doing some outreach to the labs here. So I'll show you on the map the places I've been and you know that you know Canlytics is spreading the word about our you know cannabis testing solutions and I'll tell you a little bit about the data here. But before that, like, how are things going with you, Charles? Pretty good. Pretty good. I, um, I think I have a job. I'm oh, going to start like in a week or two. Well, please, please tell more. It's um, working with like three D imaging and making measurements off of three uh, D image scans using um, um, using like you know uh, using machine learning. Interesting. So, have, have you done much machine learning work? So there is actually a lab that Kinlytics um, is interested in the work Kinlytics is doing. And one of the things they're interested in is finding use, uses for machine learning. So how do you go about even using it? You get the problem first or, or do you have a good model in mind? And so, how do you even go about things? Um, well, I mean, yeah, you, you need to figure out you need to figure out what they what what, what they want to solve, and then you know, and then try and find a model that will work with that. Or a lot of times, you have to build your own model. Um, you know, and you have to do some feature engineering, and um, it's um, you know, it's a lot of trial and error, and kind of um, just sort of knowing you're having sort of kind of intuition as to what to try and so say so the the problem we have at hand is say like a lab wanted to like maybe almost predict the chance of a sample failing as it comes in the door so that way you know you can just have, that, have an eye out, you know, in case, and you can like, you know, run those samples right away in case there's a failure, you can, you know, let people know right away. So is that a reasonable use for machine learning? And if so, how would you go about even starting? Um. Yeah, I mean, you could do that. I thought about doing, trying trying to do that with the Washington data. There aren't a lot of failures in there, although I would imagine in most cases there aren't a lot of failures. Um, but so you're probably going to... The only, the only thing you're really going to know ahead of time, right, is the producer and the strain. Uh, right? And so... It was real interesting. So at Canacon, they there was a pres presentation about heavy metals. And what's interesting is if you look at the distribution of, you know, heavy metals that have been tested, say, in water, soil, even in this case, they were looking at you know, human blood samples. It's not evenly distributed. So there's, you know, there's hot spots, you know, certain places are sort of 
cleaner and others are dirtier than others. So I think geographic region, I mean, I've got a hunch it may play a factor, but it, I don't know how well it would explain. Yeah, you can use the, you can use geographic region as one of the inputs, um, although that would be correlated to the producer. Um, but you might have a producer you've never seen before, so yeah, you might just want to instead of going by the producer, you could go by where they're located, time of year, maybe time of year that has some effect on it. Um, so yeah, you would just try and find things that you're going to know. Um, ahead of time and try and predict, you know, the outcome. It, it seems like a problem you could, you know, you could at least try. Now, whether you have enough data and whether that data would give you enough information to predict something is an, another question. Do you think that's even the most value-added use or... Like, do you think it would even be that worthwhile, or are you thinking? Like, so for example, can you just discover gold with machine learning, just find avenues that you hadn't thought of, or do you really have to have a, you know, a good value added idea to begin with? You can find, I mean, you can find things that you don't know about. You could do some sort of like, clustering algorithm and i mean that's something else you could yeah you could do a clustering algorithm and see you know if certain if certain regions or producers or strains and that you know fall fall into a group that fails more so but and then so, see if there's any similar characteristics yeah um, yeah, I oh. mean, I I would be interested in working on something like that. That would be uh, that would be pretty cool. Well, with the Washington State data, we could technically do that, right? So we've got the, their geographic location and potentially the the failure rates, right? Yeah. So. So I think we may need to add that to the list. Um, so I could, I guess, work on getting those data points, just the, well, we already have several of these data points. So we've got essentially their latitude and longitude. So we may just want to do count. I like to do counties, but we could get more granular. If we can get as granular as we would like. And so the next step would just be to calculate, you know, failure rates of the variable of interest that we're interested in. So, yeah. so the, the main things that you could test for failing would be the microbials. And like you said, those may have a real low failure rate. And then really the only other thing in Washington state is the residual solvents, right? Because pesticides and heavy metals aren't, there's not um, regular testing on that, on those compounds. 
So, do you think like residual solvents like from processors would vary from location to location, or it might? So, I mean, isn't that part of part of the problem? Is that some producers just you know heavily uh, you know like heavily spray their their crops, and others don't, and and you know I mean like. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly worth investigating to see. Yeah, so, so the residual solvents will be like your butanes, your propanes, and other extraction compounds. So, yeah, I mean, it could be, you know, the type of equipment that they use to do the extraction. Uh, how experienced they are. Here's a here's actually a good thought. So at Canacon, right, the they had a wide range of equipment, right? So if you're when you do processing, you have you can invest quite a bit in um, extraction equipment. So once you've done your, you know your propane or butane or your hydrocarbon extraction, you can, one, you can invest a, a lot in expensive extraction equipment, and then you're going to need to essentially, you know, evaporate off all the hydrocarbons. And so, you know, pe people have different budgets, right? So a smaller processor is going to use you know, less efficient equipment than, you know, a large scale processor. So process, so large scale processors may be more effective, you know, they may be they're more effective at removing unwanted hydrocarbons from their products. And so they may have a lower failure rate. And so that would actually be worthwhile, you know, knowing. So, you know, if you, like, if you scale, does your failure rate go down as well? Because they're, you know, scaling for cost-saving reasons. Um, well, you know, economies of scale, essentially. Right. And so it'd be interesting to see if that applies to failure rate. Yeah, that would be, or, no, yeah, that would be that would be interesting to see. Um, that would be, you know, that that's the kind of thing I've been trying to figure out. Like, what kind of predictive machine learning type things can we do with this data? And that would be an interesting thing. And I, um, I've seen um, there was like I think it was a story on the news about. Um, people doing extractions, you know, and like, in like, like having small operations out of their garage and stuff. And I, so yeah, I wonder, you know, I would imagine that the, the type of equipment that you use has some effect on it. And hopefully if you're spending more money on equipment, you're getting a higher quality product out of it. <laughs> but. Well, exactly. And that's what they said. They're saying is, mm -hmm. 
you know, you're you're getting a, a more pure product. And so one would hypothesize that you would have a you know a lower failure rate. Um, but we can potentially quantify that. And so the way I think you can potentially measure the processors, so there may just be a one-size-fits-all processing license in Washington State. But what if you, you know, proxy the size or the amount that they spend on their equipment by their sales? So you would just look at, say, total sales by processor, say by month, and then look at the failure rate for that processor for that month and see if those are correlated. So you'd run a regression of a failure rate on total sales. So one would think that the larger processors have larger sales, thus they can spend more on their equipment, and we would hypothesize have a lower failure rate. Yeah. Okay. So I think we just discovered a research project. Um, Maybe a little large to embark on today, but I think that's another one that we can chalk, chalk onto the chalkboard uh, and potentially look at as early as next week. Yeah. Well, I guess just go ahead. I guess we can go ahead and break into a, a little bit of work that I've done here recently and I can present some of that if you would like. Sure. So June oh. second. So long story short. So Kinlytics has put together a map here where we're trying to map the cannabis testing licenses in, you know, the United States, you know, potentially uh, the world as well, but for now, uh, the United States. And so just to get some on the map over here, um, just been, you know, introducing Canlytics to various laboratories here in Oklahoma City and then popped over to Tulsa, to a handful of laboratories here. And I'm actually in Grove right now, and I'll stop by Genesis testing just to, just to say hey. So, just to get a look at the Oklahoma industry here. And so Oklahoma does have interesting data. 
So, stories.opengov.com, Oklahoma State. And they just have, you know, snapshots of their revenue. However, you know, and they also have Um, also have a list of their licensed businesses so you can see the, the licensed growers processors dispensaries laboratories in the state So here we have PDFs. And so we would like this data, you know, in a more readily consumable format. And there may be others as well. So analytics, you know, we're trying to make data accessible. So today we're going to make this data accessible. So, so uh, just to kind of show you some of the work I've done here. So just using a handful of tools, we'll, ba we'll basically go and we'll download the PDFs. So. You know, so we'll basically download each of these. And then we'll want to parse them just to get them, you know, into a, you know, consumable format. And then I just, uh, you know, do a little cleaning of the names, you know, just all lowercase and snake case. Oh. We can oh I've committed this code to the Minimus Data Science Repository. So you can follow along and, you know, re really read into the, the script here when you, you know, when you really have time to, to delve into that. And then if you just want to, you know, grab the data, then we have it already created and uploaded for you. So let's look at the data. As most states are moving in this direction, just towards a little bit of privacy for the cultivators and processors, you really, you're, 
geographic location is at the county level. So you don't really get much granular than that. And so that's to respect the privacy of, of these businesses. However, for a lot of our analysis, the county level or even the, the zip code is, 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 is perfectly sufficient for, for, our, for our analyses. And just to show you the scale of these, you know, just in Oklahoma, there are some, well, you know, there's north of 11,000 licensees. So, and this would include your transporters, your library, your laboratories, your waste disposals companies. So it's first glance it's striving. Um, so or thriving. So really want to you know try to quantify this a bit more because all we really know is just the, the number of licensees, right? But you know these people may have just licensed you know they may not be operational so we you know want to get a bit more you know a bit better look at the industry so the next data point we can get is what essentially the revenue so you can you can download this as a CSV. So here I've downloaded that. And once again we need to you know to, to parse this appropriately. So one thing that I began to note, so you'll see this here in a second. So let's go ahead and, you know, read in the revenue. And once again, just parse the data just to get it into a format that we can use. All right. And so, does anything jump out at you, Charles? It's um, linear and increasing. Yes. Almost perfectly. <laughs> Do you have much faith in that data? Oh. Um, no. <laughs> so that was something that's a, a little yeah concerning to me is it's one would say like how linear. Um, and so that's 
that's actually, you know, what I actually did next was I, so here, you know, I tossed on just a time index B. For that way, you know, we just have a counter. Then we can just calculate just a quick trend. So this is basically just running a regression of total revenue on time. You know, where you know, you know, t equals zero. And, you know, we'll just, you know, plot the trend with total revenue. And so, you know, we, we essentially have, you know, just a, just a perfectly, you know, linear line. So, so we just kind of, you know, now I'm just trying to think about like how to explain this. So, so the, honestly, the first things that came to mind is maybe the software developer just put in placeholders, but that just doesn't seem likely. Then I'm thinking, <laughs> yes, maybe that's just what they're accounting for, or maybe they're only taxing a certain amount per month. It's hard to explain. So do you have any thoughts on this, Charles, or um, what are we looking at here? No, I mean, it looks suspicious um but i maybe that's just like how they're accounting for it um like they're just like they just the the licensees just submitted the year total and they're just like accruing it per month but it doesn't really explain like how they have up through May. Uh, or am I just, or am I interpreting this data wrong? Um, Are maybe more and more people getting into the the system legally? Um, or have they loosened their requirements on medical marijuana? Or um... oh, let's just calculate the because it looks like there's about a 
what is this, 7 million difference? So let's see, um, because basically I was, you know, wanting to start doing, you know, statistics on this data, but like, like I said, it just doesn't look, well, it just, I don't know, it just needs some explanation. Like, I'm just not certain what's going on. So it's just, um, so it looked like it was like, it was like just when you were hovering over it, there was like 11, 12, 13% growth. And so all the, every month it grew, you know, by roughly the same amount. Unless, unless this is just like, or are we looking at something weird? Like, are we just looking at like the aggregate or something? And maybe like the difference is what's going on. Because you see, it's not like, This is strange. Um, well, here, why don't we write a, a quick for loop? Um, What's going on? Thank you for bearing with me. Um, the tortoise always beats the hare. Um, okay, so. So it's not the same every month. Um, This is interesting. So let's just try to capture these values and analyze the difference here for a second. So so let's just look at this difference. 
Like that's what you would that's what you would sort of expect like a you know a revenue plot would look a bit more doesn't that look a bit more reasonable? Yeah. yeah. So do you think this is just year to date? Is that what, what we're looking at here? Maybe. Um, when did medical marijuana become legal in Oklahoma? It looks like sales began essentially in July of 2020. Um, I want to say that January of 2020, but it looks like we just have data from July. I mean, this just could be like a ramping up as people get into the system and start Actually, move, moving from like, you know, the black market to the legal market. Interesting. Look at this. So I think that may just be... I think this is not necessarily what we want. Um, okay, so let's go back to... And keep in mind, this is the tax, not the revenue. Um, so, okay, so Charles, this is now what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this is just a running... Oh, yeah. Right, because there's actual, then there's total. Oh, but the actual and the total are always the same. Yeah, so I think this is just a... You know... You know, cumulative. You know, the cumulative graph. So, August includes July, September includes July, and August. And so, then if you look at the difference, then, you know, then the, this is essentially, you know, your change in excise tax per month so this would be the taxable rev this would represent the taxable revenue if i'm interpreting this correctly and so it may be worth reaching out to the oma the the this body the oklahoma medical marijuana authority just to to clarify but that is what we are looking at. So we can actually perhaps adjust our code real quick. to account for this.
10. Pandas just do a simple diff. Okay, excellent. So Pandas has just a built-in diff that we can use. So It does not, we can't explain this initial 5 million because well, let's see what the mean is over here. For me, is seventy seven million? Does that sound right? Um, where was our initial dashboard? Let's look at some of the statistics that they've produced. So, so they're saying that in March, we're not certain the year that almost one million came from. Their grocery seats. It's really hard. See, so this way, this data really needs some exploration because it's. Doesn't that seem like their industry is like staggeringly large? Or. Yeah. What's the like the Oh hold on. That's because I was um I was calculating the, the total revenue. I was applying the tax rate, but we need to do the change first. Okay, so let's try this. Okay. 
So. Okay, so that does look about right. So it looks like they're getting about five million in excise tax per month. Right, that sounds about that sounds a bit more reasonable, right? Yes. Consider if this was um. Let's see when this was published. This was published in 2019. So in 2019, they were getting about 1 million, a little less than 1 million with their excise tax. So, so yeah, so it appears that, you know, by July of 2020, when they have this data published, it looks like the first data point is about Five million per month, and then it looks like they're they're increasing about five million each month. So this must be the, the cumulative, right? Um, okay, and so then we can actually add on this this first data point here, just um, your little hotfix here. Um, just to go ahead and get the first data point back. Let's see, how can we... Just add this essentially you just want to get that first data point back. Because you never want to throw away Okay, so I didn't use that correctly. <laughs> Do you know off the top of your head how to sign a value? Don't you, um, don't you want to use like 
Eyelock or lock. Potentially. So basically we want to fill in this first revenue observation. Right. And then it's something like um can we do that? I think so. Open is may give us a suggestion. You, yeah, you're just setting it on a copy, which is not. So I don't think that's the best practice. Um, um, somewhere in here, you just need to say cop dot copy. Um, nonetheless, for now, but you're, you're you're safe. You're you're, you're not going to do anything. Uh, it will serve our purpose. Well, let's let's address this later. So we'll just look at it from August onwards, just so we can. You know, expedite things. And we'll we'll come back and address this. Okay. So does this look a bit more reasonable for revenue? Well, does not. Still. Um, Seventy-seven million. Um, well, actually, does that sound right? So, if they're getting about seventy-seven million, and the excise tax is seven percent, yeah. So, so that's about right. So, so, so it's it does. I mean, just um, I mean, in my opinion, it's a staggering amount of sales, right? You're you know, you're doing 77 million in sales in August. And then it dips down um, towards December, which is an interesting observation that it looks like it's inversely related with like Christmas shopping. And then, then you just see this you know, nice, or you see a quite a steady rise to, what's this, 90 million already in May? So. So you have 89 million in May. That's, they're on, so, so let's see. So let's let's calculate how much revenue they've calculate they've raised this year in twenty twenty one. So we can say, okay, we want revenue data Let's just do this quickly. So, maybe we can just say P dot 
We do B. Twenty-one. Right, so that worked. So there. So if you we just want to look at revenue so far for twenty twenty-one, you know, fairly steady increase. And so let's go ahead and. So in the first five months, Oklahoma's, you know, grossed almost four hundred million in, in cannabis sales. So I think you know Colorado is about a you know a billion or perhaps even two billion you know, dollar industry. And so, you know, here Oklahoma, you know, in, you know, five months has done 400 million. Wow. So let's just say, so, you know, one could expect if you know if they kind of keep on this trajectory that wouldn't be surprising to see Oklahoma gross 1 billion in cannabis sales this year so that's You know, so that's 70 million in excise tax, if I'm doing the math correctly. So, yeah, so that sounds about right. So they're doing, you know, a little more than 5 million a month. But yeah, so they're getting about $70 million. Um, and I mean, that's not chump change. So. No, I mean, well, this is why everybody's interested in this industry, right? It's gonna, it, it, it's, it, it generates a lot of money. Well, look, you know, that's just money left on the table, you know, if you're, you're not doing it, you know, and in fact, you, you know, you know, not only are, you know, certain are people getting benefits, um, you know, from the, you know, the, the medicinal consumption, right? So Oklahoma, this is actually all medicinal sales. So these are all people who are using cannabis for, for medicinal purposes. So not only are they getting that benefit, but yes, the state's also, you know, you know, 70 million, that's, you know, that's like, that could easily be like 35 schools or, you know, however they want to to spend that money, but that's you know, that's hopefully going to have quite a quite a positive. Yeah. So, I think I think we've made a little sense of the the data here, and I think 
if we have time in the last little bit here, an interesting measure is we could potentially look at you know the average revenue per you know retailer or you know grower you know so that way we can kind of get a measure of you know how large these businesses are so let's just do a you know like a dispensary count, essentially. So we're going to have to do this quite quickly, Charles, but that's why we're just crunching numbers. That's what we're all about here. So let's quickly find out with your call. And then isolate them. And then count them. There's about 2,000. And then keep in mind that these were probably... Is probably fluctuated throughout the year, but we can, you know, use a proxy here. So, you know, we can say, well, not really a proxy, but an estimate. So we can just say, you know, estimated um, revenue per dispensary, you know, per month. So that would just be our. revenue you know divided by you know the number of dispensaries and let's see if this makes sense at all first one you need to define everything And so, and then this is yet another positive impact on the community, right? Because you've got your patients getting their medicinal benefit. You have the government getting their revenue, which they can distribute to the public through public goods like education, roads. You do see a lot of road construction in Oklahoma, which is a, it's a good thing to see, right? They're fixing up their roads big time. Um, and then you look at the dispensaries and you know look at this you know they're they're grossing like let's like look at the mean here you know so so the average is a little north of thirty four thousand a month for you know for for a dispensary um so you know so you know people who are opening up um you know a cannabis dispensary which you know 
requires a little bit of overhead, but not that much more than opening up a restaurant. Probably less. And, you know, they're, they can easily gross, you know, half a million dollars a year. That's, you know, that's, that's a good sized business. So, and there's, there's 2000 of them, right? So, I mean, not, I'm sure they're not all making the same revenue, but right. So overnight, Oklahoma turned on the switch and now you have, you know, 2200 businesses, you know, making an average of $400,000 a year. That's, you know, that's phenomenal. That's, you know, that's good for them. That's good for their, their employees, the people that work for them. Yeah, you know, so there's, you have a, a, a large multiplier effect from this, right? Because when a business opens, right, they need an accountant. They need to make signage. They need to do advertising. There's a huge ripple effect through, throughout the economy where these companies are now, you know, utilizing other companies. So, so I think I'll leave it there for today, but it, it's just, it's just phenomenal to see. It, yeah, any, yeah. any comments, Charles? Um, no, it's, it's great. I mean, you know, they, they have to hire people who spend money around the community and, uh, so um, it might be interesting to look, you know, like sales by county, or mm. sales by zip code. They, so Oklahoma does have a public records request. So similar to Washington State, you can make public records requests to, to OMA. And so it would be worthwhile asking. So just... They just have, you know, their dashboard, which just has the totals. So I think it is, you know, worthwhile to ask, you know, what, you know, what else, what other data is public? So can we get the sales by, by county, so to speak, um, even if we have to uh, do the data, you know, wrangling and crunching ourselves, if, you know, they can at least get us in the right direction. So you're right, because I think further analysis is needed because as we've seen, in Washington State, the distribution of licensees is is it varies, right? So you've got you know your concentrated retailers along the Puget Sound, and then you've got both the you know the cultivation heavy Eastern Washington. Oh, we've got several fruitful avenues to pursue for next week. Mm -hmm. So, right, so we've got failure rates to look at. We've got geographic location to look at. So, and there was one at the beginning that we'll have to, to review in the recording. So, I think it's been a productive day. Yeah, that's good. That's good, it was, it was, it was a good, uh... A good meeting. So we were going to look at the the processors to see you know if processor size affects failure rates. So
So, so those are the, t the takeaways for today is yeah, economies of scale are worth looking at. The geographic location is worth looking at. And yeah, as always, the number one rule is look at the data. Yeah. Well, awesome, Charles. I think we'll leave it there for today and pick up next week. Hopefully we can get things cleared away as to the timing and and I look forward to crunching some numbers with you next week. Okay, great. Um, I'll find an Oklahoma. I will. Get some and, good barbecue. They have really good barbecue out there. Ooh, I'll get some. And keep well, you know, keep the you know the secret secret. But you know, definitely feel free to share anything that you can about what you learn about machine learning, because that's something, you know, we would love to learn more about as well. Okay. Awesome, Charles. Well, once again, have a fantastic day, and we'll be in touch. Okay. All right. See ya.